Bless you guys. Hello, everybody. Okay, so let me say so something just, let me take my watch off so that I can not bore you too long. And you've got Mother's Day, and uh, trust I won't bore you. But hopefully one thing you do pick up is our passion for Jesus. Passion is a choice, not a personality type. Hello? Okay, so, uh, so I'm passionate about Jesus. I've been serving Jesus for many, many years. Um, love Him. I love His church. I love my wife too. <laughs> she's my mom, and uh, she's not my mom. She's a mom of my children. And we've got grandkids, two of them. Linga. Okay, so... So we are a part of Sunningdale PM congregation. We serve in the eldership team there. But because we oversee all the children's work, and Kim and I also facilitate the city central hub, we're around a lot. And we're having a meeting this week. I was just chatting to Ross, and then Dimitri joined us. And he said, hey, what are you doing this Sunday? <laughs> so I said, okay. And he said, will you preach? And I said, yes. And I thought there's something that I did want to share with you and really encourage you this morning. And... Uh, uh, yeah, about a, a story, a story in the Bible uh, that I'm hoping will encourage us all to live in the more that God has for us. Okay, are you there? Are your seatbelts tied? Okay, do I need to tell anything more about myself, ourselves, what we do? Okay, that's it. Okay, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, love to see Graham and Dawn again, friends from. Um, NCMI days, lovely to see you, okay, it really is. And friends from, that we've seen from City Bowl and other congregations and had long relations with so many. So it is amazing to be here. So let me drink some water and then can I start the timer now? <laughs> okay, so I did have a PowerPoint presentation, but... I'll do it without it because, unfortunately, the computer doesn't have PowerPoint on it. So, that's 100% fine. <laughs> what am I going to do without the Okay, no, I'm fine. Okay, so, the title of what I, what I want to share is No Random Citizens. Okay, I think Andrew shared that at the last, uh, not last night, but the other gathering. How fantastic was that gathering? And uh, when I saw... Those new members get up. I don't know. There's been photographs up there. I took a photograph of all these guys. I think about 200 or so. I don't know how many was. It went up and stood up on stage. I thought it was amazing. And the thought came to my mind, this may be the first and last time most of, the people, or most of those people standing on stage will ever stand on a stage again. Hello? You see, God's kingdom is not built on the gifts of the few, but on the sacrifices of many. God's church is not built on the gifts of the few, but the sacrifices of many. And I looked there and I saw those people standing on stage. I thought, man, this church is... If God, every single one of those and every single people sitting in the rows of chairs there are picking up what God has for them and the gifting and what God wants to do in and through them, man, 
This church is going places. Us as a church and God's kingdom is going to advance. Who of you uh, will be offended if I give a couple of Lord of the Rings quotes? Okay. Okay. So I would have added up there on the PowerPoint because I love some of their quotes. It's, I'll say it now and uh, I'll repent if anyone wants to come see me afterwards. But the Lord of the Rings is probably my favorite movies. Okay. Okay. Gandalf. You know who Gandalf was, okay? He said, It is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do in us for the sucker of the years that wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have a clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. I have to do what God's given me to do for the time that I'm here. Every breath that I breathe, I've got to breathe the passion of Jesus and his purpose for my life. There's no retirement for me. I'm 63. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. And uh, no retirement for me. Fortunately for you. <laughs> for us. No retirement. Okay. I, I was reminded I'm going to... I'm going to take a story in the book of Acts about a woman. I thought it's Mother's Day, so let me take a woman out of the book of Acts, a woman that was never on stage. Okay, but before that, I just want to read something of a scripture that I felt just in prepping and something that's been speaking to me over the last while was John, Apostle John on the island of Patmos. Okay, John, who put his head on Jesus' chest while he's here, the apostle, the disciple John, who had seen Jesus heal the sick, had seen him as a man, had seen him teach, had seen him in the homes, had seen him eat, had seen him perform miracles, had seen him teach. And then he saw Jesus crucified with, with, with Jesus' mom hanging on the cross. And then he saw Jesus resurrected with the nail prints in his hands. And then he saw him rising and ascending to heaven and in, in the book of Revelation, he sees Jesus again, but he had, a Jesus he had never seen before. He says, hair white as wool, eyes like fire, and as he speaks, was like rushing waters. And on his feet were like bronze burning, and around his chest was a sash. And it said, it's, uh, you read it there in Revelation chapter 1, that he, that he, he was shining like the light itself, the very brightness of all light in this one person. And he says, he, he fell down, John fell, I, John, fell down at, my, at his feet as he did. This was a Jesus that he never saw before. I want you to think of John who had been exiled on the island of Patmos, being a leader in the church, going for Jesus, doing all the passion for God his whole life, steady walking with Jesus on the island of Patmos, and I'm thinking what was going through his head was, my life's over. What's my purpose in life? Stuck on an island. All his other brothers and disciples martyred. He was the only one left. What's in it for me? And in this position on the ground, it says, I love the picture where, where it says, he had a vision of Jesus with the seven candlesticks in his right hand. 
the churches in his hand. And as he's in that position, as if dead, it says here, I want to read it to you. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. The same hand that held the seven churches in his hand says, then he placed his right hand on me. Do you get it? The same hand that holds the churches in his hand, that same hand, he comes and says to, he says to John, he says, Dimitri, while you're breathing, I've got a purpose for you. I'm putting my right hand on you. Every single moment that you breathe, I've got something for you to do. So this is what you're going to do. You, I'll read it for you. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one that I'm now placing my hand on you. This interaction, this God wanting to invest his life and his eternity on us. Okay. I was once dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Right, therefore, what you see is a purpose for your life and there's a purpose for you and me. I don't know Okay, what your age is, he wants to write his story of your life. He wants to write his story of your life. So everyone that stood on stage, he's saying, I've got a story to tell through your life. Is this passion all right? <laughs> I love it. Okay, I'm passionate about this. Because I want to urge all of you to live in everything that God has for you. The book of Acts. I just, these are a few introductory marks. I, I just love the book of Acts is the most dramatic book. I've, I've, it's like the last few chapters, I've been going to the book of Acts for a while. The last few chapters is Paul going to Jerusalem and going before the Sanhedrin, and they want to kill him, and then there's a, a plot to kill him on the way to trial, and then he escapes that, and he's in prison, and he, he believes, I'm going to Rome. God wants me to go to Rome. I've got a purpose to go to Rome. So he goes through the trials, and knows I'm going to Rome. God's called me to Rome. He sits in prison for two years. Two years in prison waiting. Eventually, he gets on a boat. He says, okay, you're going to Rome. Sent to Rome. He gets into Rome. He gets into a storm, 14-day storm, shipwrecked, no food. Everyone survives. He gets onto the island. He's bitten by a snake. Man, he doesn't die. He preaches the gospel on the island. There's revival on the island. He gets to Rome. Gets to Rome. And then in the book of Acts. And he gets to Rome. His, his purpose in life has been reached. And the last verses of the book of Acts says something like this. And Paul there proclaimed the gospel with all boldness, without hindrance. What? Well, how does it end? Paul was there, preached the gospel without end. How does it end? Let me tell you a secret. The reason why it ends like this is because it doesn't end. It's the beginning. And he wants to continue to write his story, the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit, in our lives today. As long as I live, I want to make a difference. Okay. <laughs> what a... So, the lead story is there's a stage. The lead story is Jesus is alive. 
And Jesus is transforming lives. That is the story. That's the storyline. How many of you, when you've gone to watch a movie, and there's this great movie and good actors you know and produced by so-and-so and so, and you've watched the movie, and then at the end of the movie it says the end, and then all those acknowledgements go up. How many of you sit there going at the acknowledgements? About 10, 15 minutes, like. It's the church, the acknowledgements. That movie would never happen if it wasn't for... I remember, and, and God's, God's uh, vision and heart is that every life changed. Changes another life, changes another life, and he wants to reach the city. I think that's where we ended last night, the gathering. We've got a, we've got a mission. We've got a destiny. Well, at the end of worship, I can't remember where it was. I had a vision. We went to, uh, I went to um, Brazil about five, six years ago, six years ago now. And Brazil is a city of 25 million people. And I went to a prayer meeting, and it was on like an upper room, Sao Paulo. Sorry, Sao Paulo. Okay? We were sitting, we had this prayer meeting, and it was like around about 6 o'clock, we were having this prayer meeting, and it was open on top of the roof of this house. And at this, in this prayer meeting, I suddenly thought, God, how are we going to reach a city? 25 million people, and it's just concrete buildings, just concrete buildings, concrete buildings, concrete buildings. And as people coming home, because it was when people coming home and, and coming into their homes and everything, I saw lights, a light gone here in this apartment, then a light on there in the apartment, and then an apartment, an apartment. And then I felt the Lord say to me, that's how. One life at a time. One life at a time. <clears throat> and uh, that, that's, that's the big story. Every life matters. Every life. Okay. See, we're not for king. Uh, we're not. We don't hanker after visibility. We go for viability. There are some that are gifted that are called to be visible, and kingdom needs to be visible. But the kingdom of God only really becomes viable when every single person picks up. The gift that's mentioned in, uh, in Ephesians 4, 7, he says, to each one a gift is given. So use it. So there's this measure that, that we become effective and viable when every single person picks it up, and then God's kingdom becomes visible. And you become viable when you realize you're visible to one. What do you do between you and the Lord? That's humility. Visibility without humility is actually just building your own kingdom. Okay, let me get on to this incredible uh, lady in the Bible, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. Says this. I'm going to read it. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda, was the, the town, was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, or Lydda, 
They sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Remember, Dorcas was dead and she had been washed already. Okay? Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. And I'm sure, okay, I'm sure Peter in his mind thought, where have I seen this before? Jairus' daughter? Okay. All the, okay, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he went upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was alive with him. Peter sent them all out the room. He, he did what Jesus did. <laughs> not saying it's not, it's not a model, okay? It's just what he did. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman. I would visualize that. This is real, guys. This is not just a, a story. This actually happened. And he said, Tabita, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over the Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. And I'm going to add this sentence here because I want, to, I want you to put it there. We're putting it on the shelf till the end. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Lord of the Rings. Saruman. He was the bad guy. Okay, Saruman was the bad guy. He, was, he thought he was strong, but he wasn't. Saruman believes that his only great power that can hold evil in check. Then Gandalf says, but that is not what I found. I found it is in the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay, simple acts of kindness and love. What describes your life will define your legacy. What describes your life will define your legacy. This lady, this, this uh, woman, Dorcas, she was named, that was a Greek name. Dorcas, okay. She, felt, she was this lady who helped the poor widows by making clothes. And she gets sick, she dies. They send for, for Peter, he comes from Elida, and he comes and he prays. She's raised from the dead. And I, I want to leave you with four areas that described Dorcas's life that set a trend to, to bring about a legacy that changed nations. A mom. I don't, well, I don't know if she was a mom, a woman. Okay. There are four things that I want to leave with you. Was why, what described Dorcas's life and what can describe your life that will cause you to have a place in God's kingdom that will make a difference, that will set a legacy in place. Hello, you all with me? Okay. Okay, here we go. Number one, she was called by God. She was called by God. She was the first Greek woman mentioned in the book of Acts. First Greek, first woman mentioned in the book of Acts. And that tells me the story or 
makes Romans 1 verse 16, for the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of anyone and everyone who believes real. Because the gospel, the message of the gospel is available for everyone and can change anyone and everyone's life. Amen? The gospel, the message of the gospel, we heard a little bit of this, the blood of Jesus, what Jesus done, the completed work, is what we need, what comes to us and changes our lives. Every single one of us, if we've asked Jesus into our lives, we are called by God. He stepped in mercy and grace and stepped into our lives. It happened to me when I was 10 years old in 1970. And all of you got a story to tell. You are called by God. She was called by God. That qualified her to make a difference. Hello? You all there? Okay, good. Okay. I'm doing this just. Ah, yes, come on. Okay. <laughs> Jesus came for all people. Every single one of us are equal at the cross. And I love it. I love the fact that Dorcas is in the Bible. I love the fact that an unknown lady widow was there in the Bible and that God choose, chose to write her into his story. Amen? Because God has chosen you, has called you to be in his story. The gospel is about salvation, one life at a time. And Luke, writing the book of Acts, come, he's writing, I'm not quite sure if he's literally there, but he's writing the book of Acts. And he says, Dorcas, whose name was actually Tabitha, he looked at her life, and he said, you know, Dorcas, I see what your life is like. on here, the testing of your life, and I'm going to call you Tabitha, which means gracious. Her nickname was Grace. And grace isn't just what you do, it's who you are. It's who you are. And I feel that in the church, all of us could learn from her life. And I'm trusting most of us, has a, we've all got a measure of grace, but are we all gracious? Because it's who she was that made a difference. Gracious was a sign of beauty in that culture. There was this inner beauty that shone from her because she'd been called by Jesus. Every single one of us is called, and every single one of us is called to be a beautiful expression of God's grace. What's your name? Hopefully Dion and the male version of Tabitha, Grace. Gracious, gracious. Church, I wrote this down. Church is a moving mission. Not about great meetings, but each person having a personal meeting with the Savior. I love great meetings. But the best meeting is a meeting that every single person has with Jesus. And that's what these meetings should be about. Because Jesus in us, grace in us, and we're meeting one another, and we're meeting one another. There's a measure of Jesus that we're experiencing. A measure of grace. Amen. So God. So number one, she was called by God. Number two, I love the simplicity of this message. It's not rocket science in terms of theology. I'm hoping it's simple. It says, she was 
to be to a disciple. <laughs> Hello, a disciple. She was known to be one who was fully devoted to Jesus. She was a follower of Jesus. She was committed to Jesus. She devoted herself to Jesus. Because she devoted to Jesus, she devoted her life to her community, to those around her. And, and because she had been, been overwhelmed by the love of Jesus, she wanted people to experience the overwhelming love of Jesus and showed them the love of Jesus. And she was a seamstress. So that was in her hand, a sewing needle. I don't think they had machines in those days. Maybe they did. Maybe She was a devoted follower of Jesus. Simplicity, yet the most powerful witness in my life is Dion, not an elder, not the elder that oversees Josie and Kids Ministry, not the teacher or whatever gift I have. Most powerful testimony, Dion, a disciple of Jesus. When uh, Barnabas, the gospel gets to Antioch, and uh, they hear this, what's happening, and people's lives are getting changed by those who've been scattered, not by the apostles, not by elders, not by deacons, not by any of that, by the disciples. Barnabas goes in there, and he, and he gets Paul to come in eventually, and he grows the church. And it says there um, in verse, uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 25, 26, and the disciples were first called Christians, little Christ. And you know what? Go a little bit before that. Barnabas goes in, the, the apostles send Barnabas into Antioch, and he goes in there and he says, when he got there, he was so encouraged because he saw much Grace upon the people. How's your grace level? How's your graciousness? Does it shine out? Do you show compassion? Well, I'm going to get onto it. How much do you show and give space for people who are different to you? Man. She was committed to being a disciple. Grace defined their lives. And every single one of us who have been called by God have received unbelievable grace. And sometimes we need to show it a bit more. Amen. Um, I don't want to come as a corrective word, but, a, but an encouraging word to all of you. Come on, man. There's something inside of you that can make a difference in the lives of people. Because you'll see what happened with Dorcas, what she did, or Tabita. See what she did. I love this. It says the third thing that she did was she had compassion for people in need. Water. Probably this is the most, well, not the most beautiful, but ah, just does me when I think about this. Just, man. She was known for always doing good and helping the poor. She's written 
into God's story. So Peter gets there. Well, it says there, she had died. And who, was looking, who had washed the body and looked after her? Widows. Which probably meant that Tabitha had lost her family. She knew suffering. She knew pain. And most likely, most likely, it doesn't say that, but most likely was a widow herself. It wasn't a family standing around with a body. It was widows. And I think of the heartache and pain some of us go through, and it sometimes causes us to shrink back and hold back. But God wants to write your suffering, your difficulty, your pain into your story. She didn't hold back. Because she knew and she understood that the widows had a stigma attached to them in those days. And unless they had family, that a wealthy family, to look after them, that they had no one to look after them. And when those widows probably walked in the streets, well, there was a stigma attached to them, a stigma of loneliness, a stigma of no purpose, a stigma of no dignity and security and safety. These were widows. Some of them might have been almost on, on the outskirts of the social life. Some of them maybe it may have been um, outcasts. They were on the margins of society, widows. And Tabita, a widow herself, saw that. And she said, you know what? I'm going to cover your shame. I'm going to give you dignity. I'm going to bring a measure of restoration that Jesus can bring. And you know what I can do? I can make you a dress. So that when you walk in the streets with this nice dress, you can say, I can do this. I've got dignity. I've got a place. I've got identity. She did that by making dresses, sewing dresses. Don't you think it's beautiful? <laughs> a beautiful story, sewing dresses and making dresses. She's written into Jesus' story. Now you tell me, none of you have got a story to tell. This isn't, I mean, it's like, I love the story, and it's like, like, I feel my heart is like pulled apart. I mean, and I feel sometimes so, man, I feel so short of what God wants me to do, you know? But it was out of this heart of what Jesus had done, there was this compassion. This compassion that she shared. She was always doing good and helping the poor. She took care of those who were rejected from someone, who, someone herself who found herself on the margins of life. And she brought others into the kingdom. She gave dignity to countless women, and you cannot put a price tag on that. Acts 4, verses 8 and 9. Peter and then before the Sanhedrin. She says, then Peter, they, they're accusing him, and how can you heal this lame man? And the lame man at the gate, you remember? The gate, beautiful. He healed him. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers, and elders of, uh, of the people, if we are being called to account today 
for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame are being asked how he was healed. Simple acts of kindness. May our church and this church and Weinberg not be defined as described by good meetings, but by simple acts of kindness. Yes, I love great meetings. Yes, I love where the Holy Spirit comes, and I'm a, those of you who know me well, I love the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. But man, if that presence and the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't lead me to small acts of kindness, then the measure of my maturity is very shallow. And I feel like I want to encourage every single one of you this morning. What can I do? Where can I play a part? Where can I play a role? Because I'm alive while I'm breathing. God has given me something in my hands. Some of us might be a needle of sewing. Might be, some of us might be a prophetic word. Some of us might be a scripture. Some of us older folk might decide, or younger folk, wherever it is, I want, I've got a, I'm a heart to pray for the kids. I've got a heart to pray for people. Whatever it is, every single one of us, saved by grace, have got a story, God's story to tell through our lives, no matter what it is. Amen? I think this is, this is the story of people off the stage and actually doing church, being the church amongst one another, seeing the needs of those around us, becoming the church, simple acts of kindness done because we've received unbelievable kindness into our lives. Number four, as you can see, I'm a good, those of you who know Baptist backroots, all the C's. Okay. She was commissioned to transform her community. She was commissioned. She didn't do it because Jesus said, now I'm going to all the world, now I've got to obey. This is like, Jesus came into my heart, he's arrested my heart, he saturated my, my, me with his grace, and I'm just going to live Christianity, and the Great Commission is who I am. It's not what I do always. These are measure of obedience, but it comes out of a heart of devotion. It comes out of a heart, I'm a disciple, therefore I am on a mission. It's not like I'm a disciple now, and because I'm a disciple, it's actually part of who we are. She brought salvation to that city one life at a time. There was a consistency to her testimony. And God extended his grace through her. And his presence and his power came. And the main headline of her story is, the main line, Jesus is alive. He transforms lives. That's the story. That's yours and my story. That's the headline. Not the stage. Not the stage. I so appreciate guys being sound and avi. And all these things, and the guy standing at the door, and the guy doing kids' church work. And now I've got this in my notes because I love it. All this is happening around Tabita's life and people's getting changed. Then I go, I put this in my notes. Meanwhile, meanwhile, there's this God unfolding plan happening between the lines of the story. Between the lines of the story. Peter stays with the tanner named Simon. 
Peter has a dream. It's Simon's house, the tanner. There's a dream of going to Gentiles. You know the sheet that comes down. Sheet comes down. And because he has that dream, he goes to Caesarea, prays for the centurion, and Peter gets the gospel to the Gentiles. Who would have thought that Tabitha's small acts of kindness would lead to Peter, a door opening for Peter to go to the Gentiles and reach the world? Who would have thought? You and I don't know one life changed, what we'll do with one life changed. Who has heard of Henrietta Mears? Henrietta Mears. Glad I'm glad you haven't. <laughs> Henrietta Mears. She was called, she was probably known as the most influential Christian leader of the 20th century. Hello? Henrietta Mears. Look at all. Look at all the people in, in, over the last hundred years who've made a difference in, in the world and church and evangelists and preachers and mega churches that have happened and all this. Henrietta Mears. What did she do? She wrote curriculums for kids and for people and for older people. She wrote curriculums for, for Sunday school. Anyone heard of Billy Graham? I'll say Henry Atom, yes. Say no more. Every single one of us. I've got a task and a place, uh, yeah, uh, a part to play in his kingdom. So, some of you are saying, if only... I'm landing now. This is my landing. If only I had to beat this testimony. Man, she was dead and she raised to life. <laughs> what a testimony. I mean, people are going to come and, man, I was dead and raised. What a testimony. Of course the city is going to be reached. Of course it is. Dead and now raised. What a miracle. Main story. Jesus is alive. And he makes things that was dead alive. To beat his testimony is your and my testimony. For the Bible says, the gospel says, for we were all dead in our trespasses and sin, but Jesus in his great life came to our life, into our lives and forgave us. And brought us life and gave us his life. And now I live the life I live. is not me, but it's Christ who lives in me and every single one of us have that story to tell. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have a story to tell. God's story. I'm hoping, but I'm trusting as I was just final preparations this morning going over, I'm trusting that you feel the right hand of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in all his glory, the one who holds the universe, holds the churches in his hand. Come in and say, I want you to tell my story. I want you to tell my story. I want you to tell my story. Small acts of kindness and love.
Some of us will be preaching like this. I'm the, I'm the privileged position to do this. But I'm doing this so that I want to stir you guys up for the more that God has for you. My granddaughter, the eldest one about, what, a year ago or so, um, there were two play areas at, at the church, the other side, uh, Sunningdale. The one's the old one, the one's the new one, where the new building is, you know, the new part is. And where she came to the office there one day, and I was there having lunch, and she said, Papa, we're going to go play. So I said, you're going to play, but which, which are the two, two play areas you want to go play at? So um, the one is old, and it's got all the wooden stuff, and the other one's got the astroturf, and okay. So she says to me, she says, Papa, we can, let's go play on the old wooden one first. And then after that, we're going to go play on the new one. Because next is more. Next is more. The next thing that God has for you is the more that he has for you. This house is a house of miracles. I like us, uh, I'm going to pray in the moment's time for us. But there's a song I want to play. We, uh, I've got my, my little Bluetooth speaker. Hopefully you hear the song. It's called House of Miracles. Some of you may or may not know it. But I'd like you to put your hand on your heart as you're going through and say, this house, me, I'm a house of miracles. Inside, yeah, I am a miracle. I am a miracle of the saving grace of Jesus. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I'm trusting that is that in the house, of, the miracle can happen by small acts of kindness. And we don't know what God's going to do in the bigger plan of, his, of what he has for us, but touching one life at a time is the way the kingdom advances. So after I'm going to get that working, I just want to put it on. That's all right. Are you all right with this? Okay. And I do want to, um, maybe the worship team can come up too. Maybe we can close our eyes. Now, I don't know everyone here. I don't know where your position is with the Lord. But the Lord wants your life to make a difference. He wants you and me to be that living, active miracle. And he wants you to be effective in what you do with what he's given you now to become the person that he always wanted to be, you to be, to be effective, to be viable in his kingdom, to make a difference in his kingdom. But as I was speaking, you may not know this beautiful Jesus that changed Tabitha's life and changed my life, changed countless people's lives. And I would love to give you the opportunity this morning to respond to this beautiful, beautiful message of love where Jesus opens us the book of life and the book and he says, I want to include you in my story. I want to give you the life that I gave to Peter, that I gave Peter, that I gave Paul, that I gave so many disciples through history and us and so many of Josh Jenner's who love Jesus. That's the life that I want to give you. If you haven't 
received Jesus by faith. The Bible says that once we were separated from God through our sin. And we are separated. We are far away from him. And we are, we are destined for eternity without him. But God in his great love came to this world because he loved us, because he loved the world so much. He gave himself. He died on the cross so that he could take his sins upon us. So that we, and then he was raised to life again, so that we could live the resurrected life. And that's what the life he offers every single one of us. But we need to put our faith in what he has done. We need to put our faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you do that by simply confessing your sin, by making him Lord of your life, and he'll come in, and he'll reside in there by his Holy Spirit and give you the life that he intended for you always. Is there anyone here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus? I'd love to have an opportunity for some of us to pray with you and pray for you. You don't know the Lord Jesus like I've been speaking about this morning. And you want to meet him as your personal Savior. I do not want to go on from this place without giving you an opportunity to receive this beautiful kindness of Jesus.